everybody. Welcome into the Hockey Show Podcast. I'm Nick. I'm John. And we've got uh, a, a show for you today. There's a lot to get into, but John, I'm just I'm just curious, man. How's life been treating you? How, how are things going today? It is going, man. I am juggling a lot of stuff. I This time of year is always crazy busy, but there's a lot worse places I could be and a lot worse things I could be doing. Yeah, I know. You 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 could be working, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, there's yeah. always worse places to be. Exactly. Uh yeah, uh I get that uh, this time of the year crazy as well uh with the holidays and working in radio. There's just always something going on and this is the week of like all of the Christmas stuff, so as we do this recording, I'm in between doing the morning show and having to get to our mall because we're doing the 12 hours of Christmas, so 12 hours from the mall for uh, adopting the children off of the uh, Salvation Army uh, Christmas tree. Oh, so nice. it's just so much. And then later this week, there's uh, r- the kettlebell ringing and all of that stuff on top of holiday parade. So, you know, it, it's nice to be here and get the chit chat hockey for the next hour of the uh of the afternoon because but, folks i told nick we didn't have to record this week he was too busy and he refused <laughs> to let this go he is that's dedicated to you the listeners that's well i mean that's partly true i i just said let's do our later in the week recording because our typical time of recording i'm gonna be working a basketball game tonight because i told Jim nick Madison we were shutting down the entire yeah. podcast and he would not have it yeah, no, it's no, I would not have it because because I was excited to talk about uh, the fight of all fights in the NHL that I didn't know we needed. Jack Edwards versus Patrick Maroon. It, it, I'll love to talk about Jack Edwards. He, it it's just fills my heart with such warmth and his fantastic abilities at his job and especially when he's just attacking former Norfolk Admirals for no reason. Yeah, if if you don't know what we're talking about, Jack Edwards, who does uh, commentary on Nessin for the Bruins, he decided the other night when the Bruins were playing the Lightning that he just wanted to, for no reason, start talking about Patrick Maroon's weight, how he had uh, extra pizza, he never laid off the pizza, and just really went in. And Jack Edwards has a long history of not... I'm going to come out and say it. I know Bruins fans are going to deny it. Jack Edwards is the ultimate of homers when it comes to a broadcaster that he makes watching a Bruins game impossible to do on the Bruins network. That is how that's is. That's the way it's been for years with him, yeah. too. And, and and I get it to a degree. A lot of times with a home team's broadcast, you want that homerism, but it, it's just... Yeah, I, I'll not watch a game before I watch Jack Edwards call it. It is excruciating to hear him the way that he'll go on about different things, whether it's celebrating, uh, you know, Rowan Pollock getting injured or just a long history that he's had of just being completely over the top with everything related to the Boston Bruins. Uh, I have the full quote here in front of me if you want to hear it, because I'm fairly confident neither one of us has figured out how to put the audio in here. 
so to, for context, this wasn't, you know, Pat Maroon just scored a backbreaking goal against the Bruins. Pat Maroon didn't just lay a, you know, big hit uh, against the Bruins. Pat Maroon skating around minding his own business. Jack Edwards starts in with listed at 238 pounds. That was day one of training camp. And I've got a feeling he's had a few more pizzas between now and then. Uh, the color commentator, Andy Brickley, listed in uh, something about that being his pregame meal, which started Edwards in on a bit about fasting, uh, saying intermittent fasting for Pat Maroon is like four hours without a meal. But hey, three cups in a row, who can argue with his formula? There's like, what did Pat Maroon do to you, dude? Yeah. Did he date your daughter and then ghost her? Like, what? what, what is the point of that comment? It just comes so out of nowhere. Uh, and Pat Maroon, I think, had the best response ever after the game when he finally, obviously he doesn't know this is being said about him live on television and the moment, but after the game when he finds out, he then proceeds to go on Twitter, uh, and this was on November 30th, and tweeted out, in support of those struggling with mental health, bullying, and body image, I am making a $2,000 donation in the name of Jack Edwards to Tampa Bay Thrives, and I encourage Lightning and NHL fans to join me donate here and it's a link to the donation page and i i i uh, you know what I'll, I'll click on the page now just to see where it's at i know it was over 50k yeah uh, within you know 24 hours uh, of it so i can only imagine where it's at now if i can get the actual uh looks like i have to donate to see where it's at uh -oh. Yeah, the uh, the charity is Tampa Bay Thrives, and they assist people with uh, struggling with mental health, uh, substance use disorder, uh, things of that nature. And it was just so kind of cool to see him do that as a response in the sense that it's way easier to just turn around and, you know, just say something nasty about Jack Edwards back. But like doing something like this just kind of draws even more attention to just what uh moron jack edwards was being in this situation and i could not have done better myself i think this was an awesome move on his part yeah agreed i i love the move it's it's a great troll of him as well um you know back to jack edwards for a second and like the way that he calls bruins games i get why bruins fans like him i get that idea but but to to hit on what you said as well a little bit even if the Rangers broadcast was like that, and at times Joel Micheletti can kind of be that way, it gets overbearing because I get, I do, I get you want somebody that's excited for your team, but there needs to be a balance. It shouldn't be my team, my team, my team, my team, my team. It needs to be, I want to be informed about the other team as well. I want to walk out of that game and know something. And the issue there is that I don't know anything about Patrick Maroon except for allegedly he's fat and has won cups and is going to just keep eating food. Like it's, that's not what I want for my broadcast. It's, it's why I'm one of the few defenders um, in major league baseball of Joe Buck. Cause I, I, I don't understand the hate on Joe Buck. I think he's the type of broadcaster um, that is able to bring you a fair balance game has a good voice, knowledgeable, and you're going to be informed for, about both sides while being able to cheer on your team as well. Um, same with, um, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get crucified, and I know it's December, and I probably <laughs> that, and that's gonna crucify me. Uh, but I'm trying to scroll because I can't believe I can't remember um, 
NHL broadcaster, NBC. Oh my God. Why am I forgetting just retired? Uh, Doc Emmerich. Thank you. Doc. I loved Doc doing NBC games because, and like, he's the type of broadcaster that I'm like, he came from, he, he you know, what, what, he was with the Devils, I believe. Um, yeah, but listening to him on a national broadcast, you wouldn't necessarily know if he had an affinity for for a particular team, which is kind of what you need out of a national broadcaster. I don't necessarily expect that out of a regional broadcast, like any. Uh, no, I think here. we're leaning into the Homer thing, but, but uh, sprinkle in like 40% of that, like a 60, 40 balance is what I'm looking for. Yeah. Like, I feel like you, you limit your ability to appreciate the sport. If you're only focused on one particular team you know if the lightning come to town i want my broadcast to tell me you know how remarkable it is for them to have three stanley cup finals in a row or for how insane it is that steven samkos just got his 1000th point and how few people do that like i want to know about all these other teams the red wings are playing when i watch a game personally yeah, it, it, the same. And that's how I feel when I watch a Ranger game. That's how I feel whenever I tune into, you know, there there are reasons why there are certain broadcasts I like to tune into. Uh, I, I love tuning into Canadians broadcast when I watch any game that the Canadians are playing. I actually don't mind tuning into the Islanders broadcast as well. Uh, you know, there there are specific teams that when I'm watching it, I don't mind tuning into those. I like I love tuning into an L.A. Kings broadcast. I really yeah, do. the Kings have been really, really good for that. And and I feel like that's something that's really important for a non-traditional market, too, because mm-hmm. your likelihood of having someone tune in that's not as familiar with the rest of the league is probably a little higher. So maybe that's a byproduct of something being in a town like Boston is that you have a pretty consistent audience that's going to watch if they, you know, put a put Kim Jong-un broadcasting it, you know? Right. That's <laughs> very true. You know, it's the, you have those types of markets, so you're right. Um, but yeah, that's a battle I did not expect before 2022 came to an end. And 2022 has thrown some serious surprises. I mean, hell, we lost Rebecca Howe last night. So um, rest in peace, Kirstie Alley. Leave. I don't want anybody coming at me about anything else other than that. That's that's Rebecca <laughs> Howe from Cheers, man. That's all that matters to me. That's Rebecca Howe from Cheers. The Look Who's Talking films. I don't care about anything else. Um, Penguins. Chris Letang. Uh, he is out indefinitely. Uh, he speaking of almost with, dying. Yeah. Speaking of almost dying. Uh, second stroke now. Uh, in less than a decade. Uh, Letang suffered this about six, seven days ago. Uh, and the Penguins announced that he'll be out for, um, you know, until further notice. Uh, do want to make reference, uh, make mention, though, that earlier today I, I saw a video and, uh, you know, I know you saw it too, John. Uh, Latang is on the ice skating. He's in full gear again. So seems to be doing pretty good. But uh, just another scary moment there for uh, Chris Latang. Yeah, for for people that may not be aware, uh, back in the middle of the season in 2014, he had a stroke and missed a couple of months as a result of that. Uh, Turns out there was a small hole in the wall of his heart that they had to get repaired. So he was good to go after that. But he is 
already the all-time Pens leader in regular season and playoff games played amongst defensemen, uh, leads all Penguins defensemen ever in goals and assists uh, points as well. Uh, it's I'm a little torn watching him go back on the ice so quickly because on the one hand, you really admire his dedication to the game at this point he has nothing left to prove he has three cups he's you know done everything you would expect someone in his position to accomplish and he's still you know going right back at it because he just loves the game uh but at the same time you know how many strokes do you need to have before you start to think hey maybe this isn't you know this is time to call it a day so to speak yeah, it's I was shocked to see him back out there, you know, less than a week after the announcement, but uh I don't want to, you know, I don't want to speculate on the guy's health too much uh and be like, well, maybe it was, you know, wasn't really as serious of a situation as you know, when we hear stroke, we we instantly think the worst. Maybe it wasn't that bad this time. Maybe it was just kind of this minor thing and he's going to be back, you know, quicker, but it is shocking to see him out there. I mean, uh, uh, I'll say that that's a plus, even if he, even if he is yeah. still like a month or two away, the fact that he is a, a week later back on the ice in gear, being able to skate uh, to at least test his body out, you know, more power to him. But uh, I yeah. am, I am a little worried though about long-term health. Uh, you know, second time this has happened. Is there maybe something that the doctors are missing? You know, they caught they caught that little hole the first time, but is there something else? Uh, is is yeah? I, I don't want to speculate. Like, and I know I and I say I, damn it, and I hate that in the sports world. I hate when it's like I don't want to speculate, but here I am. I'm going to speculate. <laughs> um, you know, could this be one of those things where it, it's you know ends up cutting his career short a little bit? Does does he start thinking maybe beyond hockey? at this point as well. He's got rings. He's got money. Uh, not as much as he probably could have made playing any other professional sport in North America. But, you know, like, is this the type of thing the second time? And if your body kind of doesn't react the way you want to getting back out there, do you start maybe thinking, uh, you know, life is more than just the, the sport. Yeah, and he signed a contract that will take him through to the 27-28 season. So he has a lot more time there that he's going to be available to play. And from how it was described to me, it's, it seemed as though he was on the ice, wasn't feeling right, kind of went to the trainers and they got him to the hospital right away when he described the symptoms and they got him taken care of from there. Uh, but has a, you know, estimated career earnings, $77 million. Uh, you got to believe at a certain point, you know, his family has to be pretty worried about him. But, you know, there's I we we usually admire the player that, you know, has to get dragged off the ice that wants to, you know, keep playing, even if they're, you know, a healthy scratch some nights or stuff like that. But it, it's. I just want him. I just want him to be okay. I, I would hate to hear that something really serious happened to him because he continued playing. Exactly. Same. Same exact feeling. Uh, but but I do. If he's capable of playing, I want him on the ice as well because he is such a dynamic player, uh, and, and he he really does make that Penguins team as good as they've been. And you know, Penguins. Uh, I believe sitting in a playoff spot as of this morning still. I don't think the Rangers caught them yet. Uh, 
teams though that are sitting very good in the playoff spot right now uh and setting themselves up for uh potentially second year first playoff appearance uh, Seattle Kraken we talked a little bit about this last week John they're they're, they're on that winning streak seven games uh is where uh the streak has now taken them none of us saw this one coming and yeah i just at this point i'm 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 all cracking man i am happy to be the proud owner of a seattle kraken t-shirt where'd you get a t-shirt uh it was actually um my fiance uh hannah her her sister teaches in the seattle area so nice out there and uh i told her that we will have to take a trip sometime during hockey season to go see a game but Live she, knew, she knew that I fell in love. Like the minute the Kraken thing came out, I was messaging her. I was like, that's such a cool logo. Oh, that jersey. Like I was like talking to her that <laughs> Talking with hockey fans. I, I, I mostly... also talking with future sister-in-law. Of like, that's a, oh my God, look at your, look at your way. Oh, I love that. I love that white. Oh. <laughs> I, I mostly wanted to make sure you weren't getting some sort of media freebies without sharing the wealth. Oh, um, no, no, no. Yeah. I would share the wealth. Trust me. But no, no, no. Yeah, that, was, but... that was a Christmas gift I got last year, and I was stoked. It's actually, <laughs> though, the shirt, if you take a look at my Twitter profile, uh, if you look close, you can see it's it's the shirt I'm wearing. It's the top of the shirt. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wearing it, that and a Ghostbusters beanie. <laughs> the, the classic Seattle combination. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the Kraken right now, uh, despite having played three games less than the uh, Knights or the Kings, uh, they are sitting at 33 points, which puts them three points ahead of the Kings with three games in hand. They are very securely in that second spot in the Pacific and uh, potentially knocking on the door there of first, right next to the Knights, which uh, as far as teams that we thought would be on par with them, we probably wouldn't have put the Knights up there. Uh, but you know, you gotta love it. If they're able to put it together like this, they're figuring out what to do with Shane, Wright. They sent him down to the AHL for a little bit. They'll more than likely be sending him uh, to team Canada for world juniors camp here soon. Uh, and, uh, Maddie Beneers has just been a revelation for them so far this year, as far as being able to con- continue to consistently score and consistently make uh plays happen for him. Yeah, it's uh, funny you say that because the offense, I, I don't think any of us saw that one coming. I, 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 I mean, that could be your rookie of the year right there. He looks like a stud. Um, and Jordan Everly has been pretty good as well for them. Like, it's very, I didn't see these types of players stepping up for the Seattle Kraken, uh, especially in year two. And I mean, the other night, what, they they were in that shootout game against the Kings. What, 9-8, right? Yeah. Yeah, more yeah, points in that game than in uh, one of the Super Bowls. Uh, I forgot which one it was, but one of the ones that the Patriots won, there were more points in that cracking Kings game than there was in a Super Bowl game. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that part of it. it it's, yeah. uh, <laughs> it, it's a weird, it's a team of extremes almost because when you have you know Jaden Schwartz and Jordan Eberle uh expected to lead your forward core you know on the wrong side of 30 that could be really tough but you know they're younger guys they're only going to get better as time goes on they have three second round picks already 
stashed away this year with the potential to, you know, package those together to get an additional first somewhere along the lines. Uh, I don't think anyone was expecting this out of Martin Jones. I know we talked about him a little last week, but this is, this has worked out really well for them up to this point. And you, you, if they're able to kind of make this more than a fluke, uh, it, it would be hard to picture them uh, falling out of the playoffs at this point and not, you know, positioning themselves really well for continued success in the future with those two young centers. Uh, yeah, uh, 2019 Super Bowl, uh, when the Patriots beat the LA Rams 13 to three. That was the one. That was the one. So 16 points in that one, uh, nine plus eight. I'm not doing the math on that. Um, but you're right. Martin Jones, uh, I mean, the one thing I'll say to that is Martin Jones, his save percentage still isn't over nine, but with the offense that we've been seeing with the way that they've been able to, when they need to, uh, like what we said with Vegas, they're, they're a team that are going to win by just running up the score. They're going to try, they're going to outscore their problems. Seattle has been able to outscore their problems when they need to, but also Martin Jones has been adequate enough that while I say that save percentage isn't over nine, um, he's still been able to, when he needs to in those close games, come up with the big saves, come up with the wins, get it done. And, we all figured that this was going to fall onto Philip Grubauer, right? Like we, we were like, if, yeah. if Seattle is anything, it's Grubauer bouncing back in year two. And he has been horrible in year two, uh, maybe worse than year one. And you, you lean on Martin Jones to get the job done and, it, and it's working. Yeah, uh, 893 per, uh, save percentage against Martin Jones, which puts him right there towards the bottom of the league. And yet, 12 wins out of 17 starts. Yeah. So it, it's it's mind-boggling how he's been able to pull this off. But, you know, if you're allowing three goals a game, as long as your team's scoring four every game, I suppose it doesn't matter much. Yeah, it does not. Um, and, yeah, uh, I mean, look, uh, Ron Francis was telling us there's there's a plan there, there's a plan there, and I don't think this was all part of the plan. But it's I, looking good so far. I mean, leaving that cap space open was able to get him uh, Burakovsky as, yeah. as a UFA. Uh, Schultz has been a nice head. Uh, Bjorkstan's been fine. And he costs next to nothing as well. So it seems this slow and steady approach has got them in a pretty good spot right now. It'll be curious to see what they're like at the trade deadline because they absolutely do not have room to add anyone uh, cap-wise. So if they're moving somebody out to bring somebody in, that could get dicey depending on how long of a term these guys are committed to. Uh, but you you got to wonder if it doesn't make sense to maybe uh, try to, you know, move uh, Ryan Donato or Carson Soucy or some of these guys that are pending UFAs. But yeah, that could, that, that maybe that sends the wrong message to a fan base. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm glad I don't have to make the decision. Yeah. Um, now, now I am just going to ask this here uh, before we move on. Uh, are you completely sold or are we possibly overcorrecting here because we all figured that they would be bad unless Grubauer made them somewhat decent and then Grubauer has been bad, but now they're really just knocking it out of the park. Or are we all just maybe on the 
Seattle train right now because we need to uh, course correct or or does this continue? That is possible. And and it's worth considering that their coach is Dave Haxtell, who, you know, didn't show us a whole ton of inspirational stuff during his time in Philly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, you can't argue with the results, I suppose. And to go from, you know, middling around the Pacific to granted, it's a probably the weakest division out of the four. Uh, but to go from hanging around there to being right up there, you know, uh, comparable to someone like the Dallas Stars or Winnipeg, uh, that's, you know, that's got to count for something at the end of the day. Yeah, it, it does. Um, another team that has been uh, winning, uh, but unfortunately saw their winning streak snapped, uh, the Bruins. They had their 14-game winning streak and in a shootout the other night. Yeah, that stood out to me. Is that it just seems like such of a letdown of a way for a streak to break. And I, I'm curious your thoughts here to what what would be more disappointing: uh, the Bruins re- putting together this big winning streak uh, that gets snapped at the hands of a shootout, or the New Jersey Devils earlier this year who lost to the Toronto Maple Leafs, but only having three goals called back due to offsides, goaltender interference, et cetera there. So I I'm curious which one of those you think would be more disappointing. I think losing in the shootout would be because to me, the shootout, it had its time. It had its place. It is outplayed. It is, you know, I don't like the shootout. I don't like that it comes down to essentially a skills competition to win the game. Uh, I'm just, you know, I, I, I've been to shootouts. I've seen them live. They're fun, but it's lost its luster to me. Like, honestly, now when I'm watching a game, if I'm if I'm on the ESPN app and I'm I'm browsing around and I see there's a game going to overtime, I'll jump to that game instantly. If that game mm-hmm. ends the five minutes of overtime and a tie, I'm moving on. I don't care at that point. I I don't (laughs) want to watch a shootout to decide a game. I would much rather the NHL just do a 20-minute three-on-three because you're not going to go 20 minutes three-on-three. You're not. Like, it's just not going to happen. And it would get very interesting to see the lines that start getting rolled out as well, putting wingers at center and, and, you know, things like that. So, uh, because you're not going to be running out or or winger or, winger on defense because you're not going to be able to roll out your traditional lines uh, so i'd i'd much rather see three on three for an extended period of time or five minutes switch ends five minutes you know tw- 10 minutes switch ends there you go that way you can clear the ice at the 10 minute mark yeah and and i can understand the benefit of the shootout to the point to where you need a definitive end time for a lot of these games when it comes to broadcast schedules and <laughs> arena scheduling and so on and so forth Uh, But at the same time, I don't hate the shootout as much as everyone else seems to. Uh, I have been really disappointed that uh, the three-on-three seems to have gotten so overcoached that we don't really have the chaos that we used to have with three-on-three situations where it was just two-on-ones going back and forth every which way. I mean, go Uh, figure. I mean, go figure. Teams figured out, they adjusted, and now there's that very conservative approach to overtime hockey. Yeah, and it it reminds me a lot of the 
Soviet play of the early 90s, the way that they'll yeah. cycle right back with it. They will, you know, go out of the offensive zone and have to clear again to make sure they're not going off sides. Like if you work that hard to get to get the puck, there's no point dumping it in and, you know, letting the other team potentially have it that way. Uh, but it does get really annoying to just watch, you know, two minutes straight of the same line cycling through the neutral zone without doing anything in particular to create a scoring chance. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, so for you, would it be losing in the shootout or with the callbacks and the off post and all of that? It, it definitely would have been the callbacks. It, it, and I try not to get too worked up for it. You know, there might be something to say about, you know, when someone's, you know, a fraction of an inch off sides and they're a player that didn't even impact the play. Like, I get the frustration with that, but at the end of the day, you know, it's a very definitive call you know you either are on sides or you're not uh so even you know the game i went and saw sunday the red wings came in town and uh dylan larkin's goal got called off because he was off sides it wasn't by much but i was like all right i get it um yeah. uh, but for for a lot for it to happen three times in a game i think would be infuriating and for the Devils to start throwing, tr or Devils fans ras rather, to start throwing trash on the ice, I can't say I blame them. Uh, well, I can't blame them for being frustrated, but I'm not a fan of the throwing the trash on the ice. I, 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 I think it was like uh, two days later or something, the Rangers had a game where they had a lot of those like, Oh, that's not going to be a goal. Goal stands. Oh, that's a goal. Goal is overturned. You know, oh, it was all mm -hmm. like uh, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction. And we figured it out after not making the call type thing. Yeah. Like one of those types of games. Cause I saw, I, I, I was working, so I didn't get to see the game, but I saw the, you know, the, the people on Twitter were like, Ranger fans, please don't start throwing things on the ice. Like, Devils fan, which made me chuckle because I I'm just not a fan of ever like I agreed with Toronto leaving at that point because I'm not it puts everybody at risk it, it's it puts it puts fans at risk it puts players at risk it puts officials at risk it puts the coaching staff at risk it, it puts people that work in the building at risk like I get being frustrated trust me I get that even though barstool sports fans will come at me if I call out somebody's stupid gimmick of being frustrated. Um, but I, I like, I get the frustration part, but there's also that be a sane human part. <laughs> like, yeah, we don't need yeah, to resort it, to throwing our beer cans and possibly hitting the 12 year old kid. That's, you know, seven rows in front of you because you're drunk and you can't throw the thing. Yeah, there, there's probably something to be said for that. There may have been a lot more things thrown on the ice that we didn't quite get to see. And even as a fan of a team that is known to throw some things on the ice from time to time, there's a very specific etiquette to it as well. I was, I was going to say, but you're, you're the, you know, when like, I, okay, great comparison. The octopus throwing, I get where the, you know, like I get the, oh, uh, the octopus off the ice and then it freezes in and yeah, that crap. Like I get that. But there is an etiquette to that where somebody in section 300 isn't throwing the octopus after the goal, as opposed to when they used to throw the rats in Florida. You would have people yeah, throwing the that, rats that was... in the last row and hitting people with them. Like, that's all I mean.
Yeah, and for a lot of that, they were handing those out pre-game, so I'm pretty sure that was the, you know, fake plastic rats were encouraged there, yeah, to, we- which, to which there's there's certain things I hope I never have to explain to a young person. And it's just like, yeah. say, look, watch this, and, and let me tell you what hockey was like in the 90s. It was a what different a time. What a weird moment in time that is. Uh, what a weird moment when you look back on a whole, like, year where they just, in Florida, were like, here, here are rats. Everybody gets a rat. When we score, throw the damn rat. And then we're going to repass them out. When we score again, throw the damn rat. And, and I remember seeing, like, multiple highlights. So anytime, you know, a playoff goal would happen, and then a whole bunch of rats come on the ice immediately yeah. afterwards. Yeah. yeah. If you're a player, you have to be infuriated by it. But, I don't know. I Everyone's like got I their remember... fun traditions. Didn't some uh, Avalanche players express frustration in 97? I think they may have, but then they, you know, won the cup over them in '96. So if or yeah, you have to put, sorry. yeah, if you have to put up with some rats for it in the meantime, I think you're doing okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, even for what you said about octopi, th- there there was a place that it's no longer open anymore. Sadly, uh, Superior uh, Fish in Huron uh, that would. That if you went to buy an octopus for it, they gave you a sheet with very specific etiquette. Don't throw it while the puck's in play. Make sure you boil it beforehand so there isn't a bunch of gunk that has to get scraped up off the ice. That they, they took it, you know, very seriously that there's a way to do this. And, uh, you know, you probably make a good point that uh, I don't think a lot of people are going to be injured by a flying cephalopod. But, you know, a beer can or something like that, that could get dangerous. Yeah. And if you're the parent of that 12-year-old that gets hit by it, you are probably not nearly as understanding. Yeah. Now, thankfully, I don't think any reports of that came out. I'm just thinking, you know, like, I'm just figuring out, like, that's that's a possibility when you start throwing things. When, yeah. when trash starts getting thrown, you know, listen, go watch the Woodstock 99 documentary on Netflix. You'll understand why <laughs> I don't support throwing crap. Um, speaking of crap, the New York Rangers, uh, <laughs> they've been pretty crappy. Uh, and Jacob Truba has found himself as well in center of attention. Once again, Saturday night, uh, the Rangers, uh, got beat down by the Chicago Blackhawks, but Truba laid out another Jacob Truba hit that has caused, uh, the Twitterverse and everybody to debate whether or not he is a dirty player or, uh, laying out clean, hard hockey, old time hockey hits. Yeah, uh, Andreas Athanasiu was the player uh, for Chicago that got caught with his head down uh, going across the center. Uh, Jonathan Taves immediately grabs him and a little bit of a skerfuffle ensues. And later on, he uh, ends up fighting uh, Zhuja Karia, who had also sustained a head injury at the hands of Jacob Truba last year. Uh, The... It was interesting to see, you know, Max Domi just straight up said, oh, no comment. I don't even want to talk about that guy. Uh, Athanasiu just kind of said, you know, he's known for those type of hits in so many words. Uh, What stood out to me, uh, Luke Richardson, the head coach of the Blackhawks, didn't necessarily have a problem with it. And I felt like that was kind of surprising to see, like, the head coach of the guy getting hurt being like, oh, no, that was fine. Well, I'm going to say what... A lot of people have said Jacob Truba has never faced a suspension or any of that. He's he has never Chris Pronger said this. Uh, Chris Pronger never. Said 
Well, I mean, I, I mean, he's faced them, but he's never gotten one. So um, he wasn't suspended for two games in 2017 with the Winnipeg Jets. Oh, okay, whatever. He has a he has a one <laughs> he has a one time suspension, um, but he doesn't draw many hearings because Pronger said it. He plays within the lines of how the rules are written. That hit that was laid out was exactly like the Scott Stevens hits back in the day. A hard, Mm -hmm. open ice hit that a player had his head down. That is what we used to say of Lindros. Skate with your head up and you won't get crushed by Scott Stevens in open ice as you try to play the puck. It was a clean hit. It was a hard hit. It led to an injury. And I know I made a joke with you when you sent me, uh, uh, who is it? Uh, on the Sabres. Um, not oh, Rasmus Dahlin with the uh, hip Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he laid out the hard hit, I said, listen, if I, I'm going to take, I, if I take a screenshot of this post the contact of the hit, I can see he threw his elbow and hit him in the head. That's what a lot of people have done with Chuba over the last few years. The Crosby hit in the playoffs. Crosby's leaning forward. The elbow is down at his side. It's a shoulder going forward and Crosby's leaning forward. Like the player initiated the contact to the head. The other player initiated the contact to the head. Not the, not Truba. Crosby caused that. All these hits are with the shoulder. They are hard hits and they teeter the line, but they never cross the line. That's the thing. And I know somebody's going to be like, well, you're a Rangers fan. So this is a homer take. No, this is, you would have this same viewpoint if he was on your team because you would know, no, this guy is not breaking the rules. There's a reason these hits are going unpenalized as well. There's a reason for this, there's a reason for that. There's a reason he only has the 2017 two games. And, and I'm, you know, that's, honestly, that's all I can say about it. I'm not going to convince people who think he's a dirty player are going to think he's a dirty player. It's the same with the people that think Scott Stevens was a dirty player. They're always going to think he's a dirty player because I mean, he Scott Stevens was, but that's besides oh, the point. Yeah, there's, there's a little difference to that. Um, but playing that hard-nosed game, I don't know. I, like, it, it confuses me as well because don't we want old-school hockey? Don't we want you know hard-hitting hockey, but then we're going to cry every time somebody lays out? A hard hit, or, or someone has to fight every time after a yeah. clean hit. Yeah, like um, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, and I, don't, and I, I don't get that. It. I get that. Truba has the history. I get that. Uh, that the you know Nathan McKinnon, uh, Seth Jarvis, the list goes on and on for players that have really been laid out by him. But at the same time, you know, if you have to slow down the hit, like it's the freaking Zabruder film to figure out you know, whether it was illegal or not, you know, nine times out of 10, that ends up being a clean hit. And so a lot of times you have to eat, which is why I really kind of respected what Luke Richardson had to say was that, you know, there's not a lot of guys like this in the league that play this way anymore. So it probably stands out a little bit more. And if we're a little bit more aware of that, then hits like this aren't going to happen because people are keeping their head up there. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I, I've said everything I can say about it because anything I really say is just take it as, well, we know you're a Rangers fan, so you're going to defend the Ranger. Even though I came into this break going, the Rangers have played like crap because they have. Uh, they did lose that game. Yeah, then they lost that game. And they got, they got uh, that, 
They lost that game and they lost the night before to the Ottawa Senators. Like in a and and they had beaten the Senators two nights prior, so it was the second game of of a home and home and they lost at home to the Senators after beating them in Ottawa and then lost at home to the Blackhawks who are actively trying to lose. So like I I'm not being a homer, I just I want hard hitting hockey. I want hockey to be hockey and I feel like everybody gets all pissed off the minute it actually does start to be hockey and it's their team that's impacted by it. And I kind of yeah, get it. it. You know. Yeah, and there's a fine line between appreciating hard hits and being a Tom Wilson defender, you know. Exactly. Or or for that matter, I would even go one with Brad Marchand. Yeah. You know, like it has, has some stuff that's dirty, but you know, they the I, I remember hearing an interview with a uh with so I forget who it was at the Department of Player Safety when they say, you know, when they get tagged on Twitter, oh, did you look at this? Look at that. It goes, yeah, we literally watch every single game. Like, don't it's worry, we see it. Yeah, so it's you can have some confidence there to uh to, to know that you know things like this are being watched very closely and you know if, if this was something where oh he got all these fines but he you know hasn't gotten suspended uh or anything like that or you know he had this hearing but nothing came of it but that's not the case for truba he no. got a fine last january for slashing and he had that 2017 suspension that i mentioned for two games and that's it yeah that's and that's that's what i mean is his his track record of being punished by the league is, you mentioned it, there's two of them. And I forgot about the slash, uh, but it wasn't even so from did a hit. I until I looked slash. it up. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. It wasn't from a hit, it was from a slash, and everybody's complaining about his hit. So, you know. Um, but the Rangers did pull out a win uh, last night on Monday. Uh, they were able to defeat the St. Louis Blues in a battle of Sammy Blaze versus Pavel Buchnevich, if you follow Rangers Twitter, because that's apparently all it's ever been about. I understand um, Buchnevich used to play for those Rangers. Yeah, apparently, and apparently the Rangers had cap space last year to pay $6.5 million for him and then uh, $7 million on. Uh, it's crazy because I'm pretty sure the Rangers are in a position where there's a possibility that if they keep slumping, I I could see Philip Yeadle being traded because guess who's due for a contract extension? Um, and guess what team doesn't have any money right now? Hence why people are saying the Rangers can't trade their way out of their problems because there's no money. They just the dumped Ryan Reeves to try and free right. up some space. Um, but they beat the St. Louis Blues uh, and it happened in what has become fashion. Uh, the Rangers scored three goals in the third period when they were trailing 4-2-3. And um, they lit up Jordan Bennington. <laughs> and, and it it and it was three goals in the third period that put the nail in the coffin for him, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, he had already uh, given. Really, I saw the Adam Fox goal was a little soft. The power play one at the end of the first, but yeah, he got. Uh, he got. He made a great save on Kako when it was still a four three game, but then he gave up the goal to or. Um, yeah, 4-3. Then he gave up a soft one from the point. Then the Lafreniere goal. Then there was the Kreider uh, breakaway goal on the penalty kill. Uh, so, yeah, he got he got lit up for the third. 
after already giving three up earlier in the game. Um, it's kind of been a bad go of it for Jordan Bennington. Yeah, and uh, did he try to fight anyone or uh, just behave incredibly inappropriate for a goalie against the Rangers? Uh, I did do not recall him trying anything, uh, knocking any nets off or picking any fights. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm assuming you the absolutely ridiculous penalty that he took uh, earlier this week on a play behind the net where he just decided to throw an elbow. Yeah, the the game they had against the Penguins, Jason Zucker was going around the net and it would be it would be dramatic to call it a clothesline, but it was that same type of motion as he tried to uh you know, if you subtly bump into a guy to slow him down as he's going around the net chasing one of your guys, I think that's pretty par for the course but you just straight up swung at him and, and you know typical jordan bangington fashion uh you know he wants to run around and you know talk to people a whole bunch and you know challenge people without actually having to do any of the fighting which if he's at 170 pounds even with the goalie equipment on i don't like his chances of walking away from that unhurt uh, but the funny part of it was uh, Zucker uh, comes back to the game uh, after, you know, leaving to get stitched up a bit, scores a goal on him. Uh, they, Bennington really should have stopped just a clean open shot uh, from between the hash marks. Uh, and then as Zucker's on the bench and Jordan Bennington's uh, getting pulled, he takes his helmet off and starts yelling at Truba, or excuse me, yelling at Zucker on the bench a whole lot. And I... And Sucker just kind of shrugs it off. It was a fun thing to watch, but at the same time, if you're one of his of uh, of Bennington's teammates, this has got to be getting really old really quickly. Yeah, because as I mentioned, six goals last night against the Rangers, who have been struggling, uh, and really he got lit up by the kids who have really been struggling this year. He's not even good enough to back up being that type of player. Like, if he was putting up 45 save performances, shutouts, one goal against, and and leading this team to victory and really carrying them, yeah, I could see him having this type of swag and being this type of player. But he's not. He's getting lit up night in and night out. He's costing the Blues games. And he's acting like a child out there. So yeah, I, I, uh, if, if I was a player on the blues, I'd be sitting there, especially one of these leaders, uh, one of these captains in this locker room uh, should go, dude, like what the hell is the problem with you? Like just play your game. You're good when you play your game. What the hell are you doing? And, and, try and it's all sense. I don't know. And, and when you were, you know, Ron Hextall, Billy Smith, Patrick Waugh, uh, it was very well understood that goaltenders like that would back that up and would fight you just as happily as they would get a shutout on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Jordan Bennington, he, he's a littler guy that talks a big game, and I think people don't really have a lot of respect for people like that, that, you know, don't ever take the opportunity to really back anything up like that. Uh, and instead of, you know, just be, oh, this guy's a hothead, he's, you know, passionate, he just comes off as, oh, this guy's kind of an idiot. And and he, what surprised me was Craig Berube, even his own coach, 
called it out after the game. Someone asked him about it, and Craig just straight up said, you know, it's got to stop. Doesn't help anything. Just stop the puck. Yeah. And knowing that Barube was a very physical player in his day, if you are running around enough to make him upset, that's really saying something. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I mean, I'm happy that the coach is finally calling it out that somebody is, because like I said, you know, uh, it's probably gone way too long anyway to allow him to be this way, but it has to stop. Like it, you're 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 a distraction at this point and you're a problem and and nobody's gonna you know again i know this is a hockey podcast but like you look at the new york jets right now in football they benched their the second overall pick in the draft from two years ago their young quarterback because he wouldn't take the defense down yeah he let the defense down and wouldn't take accountability and and pissed off the locker room to where they were like yeah, we don't want to go out there and, and we don't care to play for this guy or fight for this guy out there. It's the same in hockey. You you are a team. You are a cohesive unit. And if one player is not towing the line with everybody else, not good enough to back up being able to not tow the same line as everybody else, then nobody gives a crap anymore. And, and nobody's going to protect you when you do get run down eventually by somebody. Because you're gonna make you're gonna make that move that you made in the against like Matt Zuccarello, and guess what's gonna happen in or uh, not Zuccarello, but you know somebody in Minnesota is gonna get hit, and then you're gonna have Ryan Reeves not stopping when he crashes the net. And the other thing to keep in mind for that is that as far as uh, goalie penalty minutes. Uh, he's had seven penalties so far this year. To which, how many, you're only making things harder for yourself, man. I, yeah, and and you're hurting the team, and you're penalty killing. Yeah, but how does a goalie get that many penalty minutes? They don't call the trapezoid crap. Like you have no, to they, actually actively take, like, be a a bad player to do that. Yeah, and you know you're you're only hurting your own goals against you know doing stuff like that and putting your team shorthanded more often. I'm sure the players are thrilled to have to you know do more penalty killing because of his antics. It's yeah. you know it breaks your heart to see that he is signed for another four seasons after this, and they traded Billy Huso to Detroit for a third. Sorry, had to bring it back around to that. My goodness. Um, yeah. Well. Biddington's got to figure it out. The Blues are kind of a, a mess right now. I, I got to imagine that, you know, it, it's crazy because, you know, we were talking about the Kraken earlier and how, how good they're kind of set out there in the West. The Western Conference, that was the area where you, you had the best shot at making the playoffs if you if you played good. And St. Louis, we thought we're going to be a pretty decent team this year. and. They've just not been able to figure it out. They've, they've, you know, a few teams have been like that, though. A few teams that we thought would be good have, have kind of struggled. I know the Panthers are one of them as well. They've kind of struggled for the first, like, two months or so. Yeah, and, and we went on our own tirades about Vancouver early enough in the season. St. Louis is doing worse than them right now. Yeah. And it's probably the best way to sum it up. And it's it's sad because it seems like the rest of that team is at least, you know, bat, uh, batting at average, if not, you know, above it with that forward group. 
but but Jordan Bennington by himself has to be costing them multiple games at this point. Yeah, he 100% is. But you mentioned his contract. There's nothing you can do with that. No team's going to take that on. Uh, it's too big for teams. Everybody's pretty much up against the cap right now. Uh, that, that, you know, the only teams that could take that are, again, the Zonas. And, and not going and- there. Yeah, and he's he has a no trade clause, yeah. so I think yeah. if you decided to move on from him, it would be extraordinarily difficult. It, it's it, yeah, it's way too hard. So, um, yeah, that'll do it for this week. Uh, I unfortunately because I got to wrap things up and get uh, to my next job location. So, uh, fun week, John. How can how can people stay in touch with you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter still at JT Evans, the number zero. Cool. And that is where you can still find me. Wonderful. underscore radio. I'm the guy with the verified check mark that's verified in media, but people are too lazy to do a click on. So they think I paid for it. And the, the Kraken t-shirt. Let's not. Oh yeah. 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 And the Kraken t-shirt. <laughs> All right. Bye everybody. Later. I started drinking with me cousins. As far as I can tell, well, we never caused no trouble. In fact, we all worked out quite well. There was me and there was Billy, making quite a scene with the beer and the buck and the whiskey and then many other things. The last week of October, and we were by the falls in room number 32, right down the kitchen hall. My grandfather told me, it's in your Irish blood, you see, broke down the situation, and here's what's wrong with me. Got nothing left to say It isn't hard to figure out how I ended up this way